This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking uh, about a subject, the power of your words. And I brought my key fob up here on purpose most of us know how a key fob works by now, and if you don't, it just means that you can carry it in your pocket. You don't have to put it in the ignition, or you don't have to put it in a door lock. You just hand on to it, and your car recognizes that you're the owner, or obviously the person who is operating that vehicle at that time. And I want to share with you that um, God has key fobs, and you probably don't even know about it. In fact, um, many times of us, many times in our lives, we'll, we'll come up to something in life and we wonder why the door doesn't open. It's because you don't have the fob. And so we're going to talk about how do you have the fob? How do you have the, the key fob to a, a, a space of, of success or a, a place of um, opening a door of uh, uh, opportunity in your life? You can pray for it. But there's so many times you are confusing, you are frustrating. Re- recently, um, my wife and I were, um, we went to Grand Rapids and we were uh, looking at Parade of Homes and uh, just getting some ideas and stuff because we would like to build a house again. And, and uh, anyway, in the, in, the, in the space of time, my wife, she just is, if you get to know Brenda, she's a runner. She doesn't walk anywhere. And uh, so she's running to this other car and we got two white SUVs. And so she just like thinks almost any white SUV and she carries every key fob. She carries my truck. She carries my, my SUV and in her SUV, she carries every one of them in because she gets tired of not having the, the, the key to open up that vehicle or whatever to change because at any given time I may ask or she may jump in like all of a sudden next thing you know I'll, I'll see her driving my truck and I, and I don't even know what is she doing now. She's got some projects going on. And anyway, that's Brenda. And uh, I love her uh, to pieces about it. And she just, she's very creatively fun. Well, the point is, is she ran. And we were, going, we're coming out of this house and she runs right to this white SUV. And then she starts trying to grab the door and then she's looking at it. Why isn't it opening up? And of course, I'm walking to a different white SUV because she's at the wrong one. You know, and I think of in life, how many times I've seen Christians run up to a space of life and couldn't open the door. They couldn't open the door. Well, the reason is, is because of the what you talk. In fact, we're going to, um, one of the things I've learned about our words in Proverbs 18, 21, and they'll put it up on the screen right now, death and life are in the power of your tongue, which means life would be in God's kingdom door because he's the kingdom of light and life. He's the author of life. So if you want God to bring something new in your life, you want, obviously you're saying, I want life in that area. So he's the key. He is the key. And death is also in the power of your tongue. So if you want a door shut in your life, it's because of the things you're saying. If you want a door open in your life, it's because of the things you're saying. And most of us don't realize the strategy of the kingdom of darkness because the devil works so tirelessly to get you to say the wrong things in your life. 
He will work endlessly. In fact, we'll, we'll uh, turn there in Ephesians 6 in a little bit of time. And I know it's not in your notes. But in Ephesians 6, there's strategies. There's a device. And then we're going to turn into 2 Chronicles chapter 18 today. And we're going to learn that, you know what? There's a, a space where there's this strategy and there's these kingdoms of, uh, and spirits that are up in the heavenlies trying to bring the plan of God in your life. Trying to unfold chapters in your life. And the only way those chapters can unfold, first and foremost, is by what you say. Because God gave a word, he gave a key, he gave a fob to our lives, and that is death and life are in the power of your tongue. And so I, I hear so many times in, in life, and, and you know, and I'll even get referenced sometimes, oh, dad, or, or, or that's just, you know, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. What, what you don't understand is this, is that God put a principle in life. And I didn't even really know this, and scientifically I looked it up, that, um, you know, when you're breathing, and you think you're breathing in oxygen, but basically 80% of what you're breathing is argon gas. And 20% of it's oxygen. And you only inhale that 20%. You only use 5% of it. So the, of the air that I'm breathing, I literally breathe in 5% that I need to live and sustain on. I exhale 5% carbon dioxide. So what God is showing me is this. Is look, if you could just literally understand, I want you to breathe in, line upon line. I want you to take a breath every single moment you take a breath. Breathe in God's word. Breathe in God's word. Breathe in God's word. God doesn't think you're going to retain 100%. And I've seen so many Christians all of a sudden, they'll get a message or they'll get in the Bible or they'll get in a prayer moment and they get so desperate, they want a 100 proof moment. And then they get mad at God and they don't understand the fob. That the fob is that you breathe it in. You use it over and over. It means you breathe in God's word. You breathe in and you exhale God's word. You exhale God's word. You breathe in God's word. You exhale God's 5%. And if you could go line upon line, Isaiah 28, line upon, in fact, next week, I believe it's the child dedication. The most important thing you can do to your children is live it in front of them over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, I wish I could go over there like the potter did at the wheel and, and just force that impression on that child and they would become that. But that's not life, is it? They're on that potter's wheel throughout life. And that my job is to create an environment for that they could stay on that potter's wheel and God's the potter. God's the potter. And God's asking me to help be that wheel. That's what he's asking me to be. So you, you know, God's a potter. You're that wheel, which means you just keep spinning. Life is just, and you make sure it doesn't spin out of control. Why? Because you're inhaling God's word. That's why we're so trying to help you. Get in your devotions. God doesn't expect you to memorize all of it. Doesn't expect you to apply all of it. But if you could apply 5%, not a big deal, then your life would take on his plan if you could just grab onto it. And it all starts out with death and life, Proverbs 18, 21. It is your key fob. I pray to God you get this message. One of the first things I learned when I got born again, I got born again at 23 years old. People say, well, Pastor Ron, your life is bl very blessed. And it's, you know, and you, and in fact, I had actually somebody call me the other day and said I was wise. That's not happened a lot. But anyway, so, but someone said, they called me up and said, you know, Pastor Ron, you're pretty wise. You know what wisdom is? It's the application of knowledge, which means the things that God has taught me, I'm applying. 
And in that application, this is one of the first things I learned in my Christianity because I have seen so many Christians so loose with their tongue. So loose with it, saying anything and everything. In fact, sometimes when their crisis gets really big, all they do is talk about their crisis and they don't really realize that they're blowing up their crisis and death is on the tongue and that's all they're seeing tomorrow is death on their tongue because that's what they're exhaling. God's saying, breathe in life, they're exhaling death. Which do you think is going to come forth? Death is going to come. I don't care what you're inhaling. You're exhaling death. God expects you to exhale his plan, his design. It's not something that's an option. It's something that God has had literally dictated to us. He's called us into the space that we're literally a product of his plan. And we're going to show you how important this is when we turn to 2 Chronicles 18. But I want to lay some truths and lay some doctrine, if I will, according to the power of, of your tongue, all right? We've already read Proverbs 18, 21. Matthew 5, 33 says this. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say, by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, by earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, be Jerus by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great God. Do not even say, by, by my head. For you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is a form of the evil one. Many words, much reasoning, and we live in a society that does not build our planning and design of God by hearing God's word and breathing in God's word. We hear it by reasoning. And I, I'm a product so many times too. And I'm like, we got to stop being so, well, I'm going to make this decision because there's 10 reasons to do it and only one not to do it. What if God's saying, don't do it? And the one, but your, your whole premise is you've got 10 reasons to do it. You got, we can't be people that are following reason. If you, if you read the Bible like I do, this Bible is full of saying, man, that's nonsense. In fact, I had a whole series called Obeying the Nonsense. Because if you're going to follow God, it's not going to make sense to the mind. It's not going to make sense to the culture. It's not going to make sense to the space of what maybe your experiences are. It's going to only make sense. And many times God is going over there and says, I pick. Even though God's plan was always that the oldest child would get double blessing, isn't it awkward and even kind of peculiar that many times God picks the youngest to raise up in the church, in, in fact, in his word? He does it on purpose because he, you so many times, you lock into your reasoning. And God says, I will not be a product of man's reasoning. I'll be a product of the design and plan. God's a creative God. Are you allowing his creativity to come forth? And the way that's going to come forth is through your speech. And so if you were to sit there and do, measure your speech like I do, I'm like, wow, no wonder God can't create great things in my life. Because listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm speaking. In fact, somebody asked me just the other day when um, one of the um, elders had asked me, Pastor, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. He says, you're always doing great. Well, then I'm listening to my own message. Because see, if I'm not living in the space of great now, but if I'm speaking great right now, God can bring great tomorrow. But if all I'm doing is a product of my scenario, product of my crisis, aren't you thankful that in Genesis chapter 1, God looked over the face of the earth, he says, and he says he's brewed over it. It was gross darkness. 
Aren't you thankful God says, wow, this place is just not worth it? Aren't you thankful when God looks at you? You Man, you're just not worth it, man. Look at how much sin is in your life. Look at how much nonsense is in your life. Look what you've done with your life. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't look at you and call things the way they are? He calls the things that he wants them to be. That's our God. When he looks at you, he goes, I see potential. And he calls that potential out. Now, whether you walk in it, that's your choice. Wisdom would say, I'm going to apply God's plan and not the nonsense of my crisis. Father, I ask right now that this word just comes so alive inside of our hearts. Lord, I can't even fathom how much just in this day, how much could change in the product of our tomorrows if we could just apply your truths. Lord, we ask that you would remind us over and over and over again. Put a guard on our lips, God. Thank you for your truth, that it can set us free. Thank you that there's a path of righteousness, which means there's a path of unrighteousness. Thank you for the path of righteousness. Lord, we know to be true that it's narrow. God, help us to be in that narrow space with you because God, Lord, we want to aim our life. We want to be intentional in the space of who you are. We want to function in your kingdom. Thank you for this moment. We'll never have it again. May it be everything you intended it to be. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Number one, God created you to have dominion over all this world and not have the world and its pleasures have dominion over you. You are to have dominion over wealth and not have it have dominion over you, which means that you're lusting for more of it. I mean, I have met poor people that are more lustful of money than wealthy people. Which one? I mean, doesn't, just because you have it doesn't mean you covet it, okay? Coveting is, is of the lust. It's a, it's a space of where you're discontent. We need to be content where we're at and knowing that God has more, amen? Or about you have dominion over the hope. That means that no matter what situation, whether it's medically, whether it's maritally, whether it's children, whatever it is, you're supposed to have a dominion, you know, hope. God has put a hope inside of us or... Is it, you know what, I'm entitled to it. You'd have to dominion over your emotions and not have your emotions dominion over you. Number two, God created the world we now have through words. If I'm made in God's image and God created the world that there is through words, how does he expect me? If I'm in, how, how am I supposed to live? He wants me to cre- be creative and that if God created it through words and he expects me to be his child, that I would create my own world through words. The breath of God or Holy Spirit filled with John 1, 4, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Word, which means Jesus. Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. Genesis 2, 7 says this, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. How do I live? Just because you're breathing today oxygen and breathing in all kinds of other gases, you're not living unless the breath of God, true living in God's ways, true living is the breath of God is inside of you. What is God speaking to you? In fact, if you ever, uh, if I have any time with you, I'll be asking you one particular, what's God's talking to you? What's he speaking to you? What is he asking you to do in your life? If you're going through a scenario, in fact, I think it was, I don't know, it was Pastor Jenna, and she's having some struggle with movement in her arms. 
in her, in her hand yet after it was broken. I said, what's God speaking to you? We know that by his stripes we are healed. We understand the scripture, what it says. But what's God speaking to you? When I, when I was diagnosed, diagnosed with arthritis, God spoke to me and said, this is what I want you to do. In the word of God, there's always an action to whatever God asks you to do. It's not just to sit on your tush and just wait for God to do it. God always asks you to walk the steps of faith. There's always steps of faith. And so one of the things I'm always going to say, well, I don't know. Well, then let's get in our prayer closet and figure out what it is. Because I'm going to guarantee you that God is speaking. And maybe, you know what, maybe that 5% that he, you know, what's inside of you, you're not getting everything it is. And maybe you don't know how to filter through the 5% of oxygen that God's doing. But let me tell you something. God's still speaking and it's line upon line, precept upon precept. Here little, there little. If there's one thing I know is God is not ADD. He's not going to change it. More than likely, he's already spoken. You just didn't understand it or you didn't want to understand it. I know one thing when God said, I want you to exercise my ankle. I had a little argument with God because that's where my arthritis was and it was painful. I said, God, do you not understand? And God says, I want you to do it. I didn't ask if it was painful. I want you to do it. And as I was sharing with Pastor Jenna, I said, you know what? I don't understand how it is. All I did is just obey God blindly. And I obeyed the voice of God. And I kept excruciating pain for like nine months. And all of a sudden it snapped. And I do not know how or when. All I know is what happened. Because what we don't really know is this. You just got to get to the right car. This key will work. And what happened was, is God was having me walk and walk and breathe in his truth, breathe in his truth, breathe in his truth, work on that ankle, work on. And all of a sudden, one day, I walked into that right car. God just says he wants you to obey. And most of us, we think we grab the fob into the first car. And God says, no, it's a little farther walk than that, son. It's a little farther walk than that, daughter. We walk by faith and not by sight. Almost all of us are so wanting the easiest path, least path of resistance. That's what we all naturally take. And God says, no, 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 no. This is going to have some resistance in it. The Bible says, press into the high call of God. He says, Ron, I, I, I want the high call. And so you're going to have to obey me and you're going to have to press through that resistance. I know you want to go to that first car and I know you want to open up that door and take off. I know you want the path of least resistance like all mankind does, but that's not how I'm going to grow in you. I'm going to teach you how to breathe in. Number four, life and death are on the top of your tongue. We've already read it. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I remember my wife saying this years ago she says you know in Proverbs it says where there's many words sin is not lacking you know I, and I used to be in our arguments and discussions I would just try to hit on many words and just try to build a thesis I would have been a great lawyer build a thesis on why she was wrong or what she needed to do to change or how she could be a better wife or whatever and she just look at me staring like in space like just I know what she's thinking stop talking so then she'd use the scripture. She says, where many words, sin is not lacking. And I would just look, well, yeah, can't argue with that, all right? Number five, take the position to bring life through his breath, his word, to where you live, your work, your home. Take the position going, I'm gonna breathe in God. I'm gonna exhale his truth. Ephesians 4.29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their deeds, needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which means what I say can hurt God. What I say, you know, what I say can hurt my wife. What I say can hurt my kids. What I can say can hurt my staff. What they say can hurt me. It can hurt God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit in your speech with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Ephesians 5, verse 3 through 6 says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or any kind of greed because there is for, uh, these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should they be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking about, mis you know what, uh, Michigan or Michigan State. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. <laughs> Which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Came to the game yesterday, watched it in here. It was just fun to watch just the humor part of it. But come on, let's not take it too serious. It's just two teams, amen? But let's take each other serious. For this is, you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such as a man is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Number six, God's ways to bring life is, repet is repetitive. A little at a time. Next week, we're going to be talking about, you know, a child. It's repetitive. It's over and over and over again. Recently, I uh, went on a different diet, not because I needed so much to be on a diet, but because I have an addiction to bread, literally bread and peanut butter. And, uh, and so my addiction is happened and it didn't happen in a, a proper way. It happened in an improper way. So there was hurt attached to it. There was abandonment attached to it. There was frustration attached to it. It became a, a vehicle. And so what happens is what, you know, this was a door. It's, you think, well, Pastor Ron, it's just bread and peanut butter. No, it was a door that the enemy could operate in my life, even into my marriage. And God said, I want you to shut that door. So I went on this different diet, no bread. That's suffering all by itself. But anyway, so no bread. And what I didn't really realize is that the freedom that God was going to bring to me through it. See, Egypt to me, which means Egypt is the way I've always done it. And the promised land was this wilderness. I don't know what I'm going to eat now. Because that's all I've had is toast and peanut butter. That was the, so I had to literally look for foods. I went shopping. It was awkward. The easy way would, let's just go back to some bread and peanut butter. That would be the easy path. Or I could take the path God says, look, we're going to go through this wilderness together. I'm going to show you who I am. There's no sin in bread and peanut butter. Let me tell you something. I have not eaten my last bread and peanut butter. All right. But, <laughs> but at this point in my life, God says, look, this space, all you do is you come into the house and instead of having a meal with your wife, it is the path of least resistance. You throw the toast and you even got it timed out. You got, you know what? You throw the toast down. You got the peanut butter out. You get the jelly out. You got it all timed out because you don't want to be, you know, an obtrusion or a, a problem or an obstacle in your marriage over food. You don't want to fight. We, if we fought over anything, we fought over food in our home. It's not funny for us. And so in the space of that time, I'm like, I don't want to do this. And God goes, you need to change first. I go, well, honey, I said, God, you sure isn't it her? <laughs> he goes, no, you need to change first. How many times do we want to go look at him or 
her and God's going, look at you. And the first thing I had to do is, is change my speech and my actions. The Bible says we love in word and in deed. God had me take steps and I've never been healthier in this space. And it's not because of peanut butter and bread. It's because of obeying God's voice. Obeying. What is God asking you to do? What fob is he asking you to grab onto to bring freedom in your life? Isaiah 28, 10, he tells us everything over and over. One line at a time, one line at a time, a little here and a little there. I've already shared with you that that's how God brings, even scientifically, you know, I'm breathing in air right now. You're breathing in air, but you're only using 5% of it to really bring life through your body. And you're supposed to exhale that 5% same way. Number seven, be careful in what you say. What you can say, destroy God's opportunity to work through you. Watch your tongue. Colossians 4, 5, and 6, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Proverbs 26, 18, and 19 say this, like a madman shooting firebrands of deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was just joking. Now I want to end on this uh, teaching. In fact, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 18 if you have a, get a chance. And I know that there's, it's not going to be on the, uh, actually I think it is on, it's going to be out there. 2 Chronicles chapter 18. I don't, they don't have a reference up there, but 2 Chronicles 18. I'm going to turn that in a minute, but before I do that, I want to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the armor of God, the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now whether you believe in the devil or don't believe in the devil. This is really immaterial. He's out there. And there is a schematic, there's a strategy in the heavenlies that is for you and one that is against you. Period. Okay? So I think it's really time, high time that we understand that that's going on. And that how do we, if we want God's kingdom to come, God's will to be done, how do we get the right key fob for God's kingdom to come in our life? And that's what we're going to learn in today. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against all the life's spiritual forces in heavenly places. The devil has a schematic. Now we're going to read about Jehoshaphat and Ahab, and I'm going to explain the, one of the weirdest stories that's ever recorded in the Bible. Okay, so let me read through it. We've got a few minutes here. Second Chronicles 18.1, Jehoshaphat enjoyed great riches and high esteem. And he made an alliance with Ahab of Israel by having his son marry Ahab's daughter. A few years later, he went to Samaria to visit Ahab, who prepared a great banquet for him and his officials. They butchered great numbers of sheep, goats, and cattle for the feast. Then Ahab enticed Jehoshaphat to join forces with him to recover Ramoth Gilead. Will you go with me to Ramoth Gilead, King Ahab of Israel, asked King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat replied, well, of course. You and I are as one, and my troops are your troops. We will certainly join you in battle. Then Jehoshaphat added, but first let's find out what the Lord says. So the king of Israel summoned the prophets, 400 of them, and asked them, should we go to war against Remeth Gilead, or should I hold back? They all replied, yes, go right ahead. God will give the king victory. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. Now, again, I shared earlier, 
how many of us would just listen to the 400 people and give us reason to go with what we wanted? And yet Jehoshaphat had enough sense. He goes, I just got to check here. Something just, eh, just doesn't seem right. The king of Israel replied to Jehoshaphat, there is one more man who could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but, tr- but trouble for me. And his name is Micah, son of Imlah. Joseph replied, that's not the way a king should talk. Remember what we've, power of your words? Let's hear what he has to say. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, quick, get Micah for us. King Ahab of Israel, King of Jehoshaphat of Judah, dressed in their royal robes, were sitting on the thrones, all the threshing floor near the gates of Samaria. All of Ahab's prophets were prophesying there in front of him, 400 of them. One of them, Zedekiah, son of Kenai, made some iron horns and proclaimed, this is what the Lord says, with these horns you will gore the Arameans to death. All the other prophets agreed, yes, they said, go up to Ramoth Gilead and be victorious for the Lord will give the king victory. Meanwhile, the messenger who went to Micah said to him, look, all these prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. But Micah replied, as surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what my, Lord, my God says. When Micah arrived before King Ahab asked him, Micah, should we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should I hold back? Micah replied sarcastically, yeah, go up, be victorious for you will have victory over them. But the king replied sharply, how many times must I demand that you speak only the truth to me when you speak for the Lord? Then Micah told him, as in any vision, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. Didn't I tell you, the king of Israel explained to Jehoshaphat, he never prophesies anything but trouble for me. Then Micah continued, listen to what the Lord says. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne with all the armies of heaven around him and on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who can entice King Ahab of Israel to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. How will you do this? The Lord asked. The spirit replied, I'll go out and inspire all of Ahab's prophets to speak lies. You will succeed, the Lord said. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of your prophets. The Lord has pronounced your doom. Then Zedekiah, son of Kenanah, walked up to Micah, slapped him across the face. Since then, when did the spirit of the Lord leave me and speak to you, he demanded. But Micah replied, you will, you will find out soon enough when you are trying to hide in some secret room. Arrest him, the king of Israel ordered. Take him back to Amon, the governor of the city, and to my son Joash. Give them this order from the king, but put this man in prison and feed him nothing but bread and water until I return safely from the Lord. And Micah replied, if you return safely, it will mean that the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added to those standing around, everyone mark my words. We're almost finished, and I just want to share just a, a few more thoughts on this. First of all, you think, well, the Lord used somebody that would lie. And I know that a lot of you are probably having questions and you can't get past that. So I'm not gonna tell you yes, no, why, or how different that is. I'm just gonna share with you the strategy. What you don't understand is this, that the way God's way is, is the way your way is in. God meets you halfway. And I shared with you earlier through the fob. God created Adam in his image. And the way God created Adam to be was to bring forth life inside. So let me just make it really simple. Say Adam married to Eve. The way Adam would bring life into Eve's life would be very simple. 
Man, God, I thank you for Eve. She's such a beauty and she's such a wisdom and you give such a, a, a lover and such a, she's so romantic and I'm so grateful to have her in my life. Life. Death would be, God, I don't understand why she keeps looking at that tree. I know it's not the right thing to do and I just don't know what to do about it. That'd be death. Life. Father, I thank you that, Lord, I am her husband and we are one. And what she's looking at I'm looking at. So, Lord, we need to really work on this. And I thank you, Lord, you're going to give me the right words. I'm so grateful again for her. I'm so grateful that, Lord God, that she is so romantic and that she's so creative and that even her desire to want new things in her life, I thank you that that newness in life is going to come inside of our relationship. Death is. I keep trying to give the hints. She's just not listening. Now, I, those are some real life scenarios that happen merrily all the time. We could do that with children. We could do that in the workplace. We could do that in our finances. We could do that. We could live out that same crazy scenario over and over and over. And I'll say it over and over, God's way. So the only way that God's way for Ahab, for God's way for Ahab to take place. And God, let me just tell you something. Ahab, and we don't have time to get into this. Ahab had to get out of that space of being king. He was a wicked leader that had many different prophets prophesying wickedness in God's people. He needed to go, but God could not bring it. So many of you want God to just trump everything. The way God works is this, and the way Satan works is this, is through your speech. Death and life are in the power. Jesus is life, and he works through your, say it with me, we only got about five people out of there. I, I need a whole lot of more people with the five today. God works through life and God works through your, God works through your, he works through your speech, God's way. That's why I declare thy kingdom come, thy will be done on heaven as well as on, that's God's plan. That's God's declaration. How does Satan work? Through your Oh, it got real quiet there. Let's do it again. Satan works through your, through your speech. So much so that here's this spirit working through 400 liars so that Ahab would listen to the 400 lies. How many people today are listening to lies in the spirit realm, having no idea what's going on in the media, what's going on socially, what's going on politically? What's going on physically? What's going on with this speech and that speech? And they're just listening to all the noise. And yet there's one prophet out there that wants to fight against the 400 lies. And yet we're speaking the lies instead of the one voice of God. It's time to bend the knee, body of Christ. Quiet yourself like we learned last week and listen to what he is saying in this hour. Behold, God says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone's listening, I will come in and make my abode, make my presence. Emmanuel, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Though I will not leave you nor forsake you, you can grieve his plan. You can frustrate his grace. You can resist the power and anointing of God. There's no creature on, in all the effects as I know, no creature in the whole heavenlies that has the power to resist and say no to God. 
You do. And you say, well, how do I do that? By listening to the lies. John 8 says it very clearly. And the truth will set you free. Well, what is if it's not truth setting you free? Well, then it's a lie that puts me in bondage. Let's, when we look at the chains, I looked at peanut butter and toast. I broke them with Jesus by listening to the breath of God. How many fights I've had blaming the wife for not making steak or blaming the wife for not making potato salad, whatever. And God says, it's you. You lust for the peanut butter and bread because of your hurts in your life and it's the easiest path of resistance. Instead of just letting me set you free, son. Come on, I'm 59 years old and I'm still learning to get free. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, for he is good. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for fobs. I thank you, Lord, for keys, that you've given us the keys to the kingdom. Father, I personally ask you to forgive me for how many times of resistance, frustration, following the path of least resistance, not breathing out your design and plan, not recognizing how important my speech was, my conversation, my behavior was in those moments, reacting to the unfair or the frustration of my circumstances instead of the breath of God that was in me. Thanks be to God that always leads me to triumph in what you've tried to show me and you're trying to show us that you want to lead us that how you lead us is through the breath and what we exhale. That's what's first and foremost. God, I pray conviction inside of this house. I pray conviction inside of my heart and their hearts that we would understand the weight of what we say. You sure have. May we understand the image of our creator, the image of our master. And that every word that you speak is so intentional and so life. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. You don't know Emmanuel as God is with you. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to search for it. I know what it's like to live without that peace and that presence. Let me tell you something. The presence of God, Emmanuel inside of you. There's so much hope in the midst of despair. There's so much strength when everything seems to be unraveling and it's the presence of God inside of you. And all you need to do is invite. God has given you a tongue so that you can confess your need, your lack, and so that you can invite His strength and His wholeness in your life. His name is Jesus. So on a count of three, we're gonna say, Jesus, come in my life. One, two, three. Jesus, come into my life. Father, you've heard our testimony. I pray for those that have asked for the first time or those who are coming on a rebound, whatever it is. God, I pray that it's power and it's moving and it changes the course of their life. And as they worship God, it seals. The Holy Spirit of promise comes and seals in their heart destiny with you. In Jesus' name.
Let's all stand up and let's worship God together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.